In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, in the Gospel reading, we read the story which happens right after the feeding of the multitude. The feeding of the multitude is something that we read very often in the church, and every time there's a fifth Sunday of the month, we read the story of when the Lord Jesus Christ blessed the five loaves and the two fish and was able to feed uh, 5,000 men. Um, but immediately after this happened, um, it says that the Lord had gone away and the people were beginning to search for him and looking for him for, to see where he was. But when, he, when they found him, he told them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And what he was saying is, why is it that you are searching for me? Are you searching for me because you think that I have the ways of salvation and eternal life and that you wanted to take this for yourself and you wanted to benefit from it and you wanted the spiritual food from me? Or are you coming just because I give you a meal and now you are looking for another meal? Um, are you looking for just the physical blessing or are you looking for the spiritual blessing? So I want to speak a little bit today about how we search for God maybe with the wrong motives. And we do things that are maybe appears correct, like in this case, the people who are seeking after the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord called them out that the reasons why they were doing it was wrong. And this is, this is what we want to speak about today. Um, one of the things that maybe we do with the wrong purpose or the wrong motivation is serving other people. Um, in Luke 15, verse 29, that says, So he answered and said to his father, this is the, the, older, uh, the older son in the, in, the, in the parable of the prodigal son. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. This older brother in the story who was resentful because his father had treated his younger brother so well after he had squandered all of his wealth and he went away and he lived it in a wasteful and sinful life. But when he returned and the father had mercy on his younger son, the older son was jealous and he was upset. And we begin to see like maybe he is revealing through the things that he is saying something about what his motivation was this entire time. Because even though it appeared to us from the story at the beginning that the older son was the wiser son, was the obedient son, was the son who chose not to leave with his father's possessions and to go and squander it and live life however he wanted, and yet he remained in the house. But we see now that when his younger brother returned, we see that there is some wrong motivation of maybe why this older son was there in the house and never left. And he is saying, I've been serving you for so many years and never transgressed your commandment, and yet you never gave me anything. You never gave me anything for um, all of the labor that I gave. Of course, this wasn't true. The fact that the older son was living in the house of the father and benefiting from everything that the father was giving to him is that in itself is the reward and 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 having also that the father is pleased with him for all of the work that he's doing and for doing things for the right reason um this is a, a mature way to look at any anything that we are doing whether we are serving or doing any kind of work so he didn't have love in his heart or serve others with the right purpose he wasn't serving with the right motivation he was judging his brother he was demanding a reward for his work um, and he felt that the reward should be based on his works um, the, the son is accepted by the father simply because of his status as a son or a daughter, not because they do a certain amount of work. You can imagine like uh, in a household, the parents going to love the children more because the, the, the children do chores around the house. Maybe, of course, parents want children to do the chores and to help with the housework and to learn to be responsible. But this is not what's going to determine the love 
love that the parents have for them. The, the love of the parents is determined only by the, uh, the, the status as a parent um, for, for the child. So here, this son is laboring, but he is laboring and serving and, and ob being obedient to the father, but maybe for the not the right purpose. He was looking for some reward for himself. He wanted to receive something. And as long as he kept receiving from the father, then maybe he felt like I can continue in this life. But the moment that he saw that the father was merciful to his son, that uh, the, the, the younger son, that even though he had done nothing to deserve reward, and yet the father had slaughtered the fatted calf for him and had a celebration when he returned, we begin to see the false motives appear in, in this uh, life of the older son. So we can also ask ourselves this question. When we are serving other people, when we are serving in the church, or even when we are doing our work um, day to day, and the responsibilities that we have. Do we do it feeling like this is my responsibility and that, that the reward is in itself, that the responsibility or that the duty is accomplished and fulfilled, that I care about the people that I am serving, I care about the people that I'm laboring for because I want what is good for them, or is it that I'm seeking some kind of reward for myself in the end? And so this is something that we have to maybe uh, reflect on in our own lives. Um, maybe we're doing this for the wrong motive. Also giving. Sometimes we do this also for the wrong motive. And the Lord rebuked the Pharisees for this. He said, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. The Pharisees who wanted to give only to be seen, only to be considered charitable for people to look at them and to see their generosity. When we give to others, are we expecting in return? You know, sometimes we, we are very uh, aware of what everyone has given to me and I give back to them in the same measure that they have given to me. Or when I give to others, I'm waiting and expecting that at some point down the line, the other person is going to reward me with the same and give me the same. Again, am I giving with the right spirit? Even when we are giving to God or giving to the poor or giving to the church, what is, what is my attitude toward it? Am I demanding reward? Am I demanding to be seen? Am I demanding that I receive some kind of recognition um, because of the good deed that I have done? Again, maybe this is a sign that I am giving with the wrong motivation. Same with prayer. Again, the Lord rebuked the Pharisees and he says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. So again, why is it that we are praying? Is it to be seen when we come to church? Are we very mindful of how people are looking at me? If I close my eyes and I'm, and I'm praying that people are going to see that I am like a holy and righteous person and that I want to be seen to be seen praying here, the Pharisees would stand on the street corners so that everyone would see them and see that they were very pious and, and righteous people. But actually Christ said, when you pray, go into your inner room where no one can see you. It doesn't mean that we don't come together as a church to pray, but the real like depth of prayer that maybe we would have in our inner room with the Lord Jesus Christ is something private and hidden that nobody else sees, the most intimate conversations that we have with God. So again, maybe when we pray, we might even be praying with the wrong motive. Fasting also is something that the Lord spoke about. He said, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. They made themselves look intentionally um, weak and intentionally like they have they are starving themselves so that people would look at them and praise them for their great piety and the fasting that they are doing. Again, it's a wrong motivation that these people and these Pharisees were fasting and giving and praying um, and, 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 and serving, all of these things. So we can ask though, is it always wrong to have the wrong motive? If you think about children, 
um, who are growing up, um, they, they usually have the wrong motive. Actually, when we tell them, okay, if you clean your room, I'm going to give you some kind of a reward. I'm going to give you candy. I'm going to give you something that you want. Is it that the child is understanding the value of cleaning the room and they're cleaning the room because of you know, the, 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 the rewarded in itself or they understand the principles or are they doing it because they want the candy and they want the reward? Maybe they're doing it because they want the reward, but we are trying to instill in them a principle. We're trying to instill in them something that is important for them to learn as a life skill that maybe at this stage of their development, um, what they care more for is the reward, but that God willing, eventually, they're going to be able to do it on their own, right? We don't give candy to adults um, after they do something good, maybe sometimes. Um, but, but for the most, of the most of the time, we don't, right? We expect that someone who has reached a level of maturity, that they're able to do the right thing for the right reason on their own without needing something outside to be a, a motivator to them just because they value it and they, they know the value of it. But as we are growing as we are maturing, and I don't just mean in age, but as we are maturing spiritually, um, there are more and more things that we begin to uh, be expected to do without the reward. This happens a lot in the early in the spiritual life of people, and they find themselves that when they are still, like um, maybe at the very beginning, that when they stand to pray, they feel great consolation and joy and, and a sense of peace and comfort from God. Um, maybe for a, for a long time. And I remember uh, a story about an abbot of a monastery who was talking about how when new monks come to the monastery, they feel at the very beginning that they have truly left the world and that their prayers are vibrant and active and deep and they feel the presence of God with them and their lives and they feel like, like this is the perfect calling for them and that they're very happy in what they're doing. But that after some time and after some years, that feeling begins to go away. Uh, and they begin to question, why is it gone? Is there something wrong? Is there something that I have done wrong? Is there something lacking or missing? Why is it that I don't feel the way that I did before? Because even God himself understands and knows that maybe at the beginning of a path, we need extra motivation to help us to continue on the path, that God is directing us on this path and saying, this is the right path. You should continue and walk this path. But it doesn't mean that all throughout the path, we are going to have that same level of comfort and consolation from God as we did on the first day. Anyone who begins a new endeavor, maybe on the first day, feels very enthusiastic and motivated to do it, but then after some time of doing it over and over and over, their zeal for it begins to decrease, or their excitement for it begins to decrease. And maybe the, what God is doing for us is granting us this extra grace, this extra reward at the beginning, to motivate us, but then after a while, when we become more mature spiritually, we don't need it anymore, or we shouldn't need it anymore. So we ask this question, is it always wrong to have the wrong motive? And again, school in ch for children, we give them often rewards, and this is intended to help them to understand what is good. We don't do this forever, right? There is a period of time as they're growing that they seek a reward. Another motive or wrong motive that we might have is that we do good because it feels good. You know, ideally, we would want to do good because it is good. We do good because we want to serve people. We do good because it is right to be doing good. We do good because we want to be obedient to God. We do good because we want to be self-sacrificial and give of ourselves just the way that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for us. This is our ideal motivation that we should have. But maybe part of it uh, is that when we do good, we feel good. We feel that I have done something good. And maybe this is a motive. 
that we have. This is not the best motive. It's not, shouldn't be the only motive, but it's something that maybe teaches us what is good, that we begin to do it for this reason, because it's feeling good. But then we ask the, ourselves the question, well, what happens when it doesn't feel good? What happens when we are called to serve others or to do good to others when it doesn't feel good at all? Are we only going to do what feels good or are we going to do what is good? Again, doing what feels good maybe for some time is helping us to learn the principle, but then eventually we are called to do what is good for its own sake. Another wrong motive we might have is coming to church to see friends, especially for young people. What is the reason that they are coming to church? Are they coming because they want to worship God? Are they coming because they want to pray? Uh, ideally, yes, but if we look at the reality, how many times do we go somewhere simply because of who else happens to be there? And if I know I'm going to come to church and see my friends, maybe this is a motivator for me to come to church. So again, maybe this is a wrong motive, but it is a motive that gets me here, that again, it's a stepping stone to something that is going to come after. Um, oftentimes, for instance, whenever we have uh, gatherings, we have food. What's the purpose of the food? Well, food is attractive. When people know that they're going to be fed, it's maybe another reason for me to come. That shouldn't be the reason why we come. We shouldn't come because food is offered. Um, but again, just like what the Lord rebuked the people today in the gospel reading, he said, are you coming to see me because of the signs that you saw? Are you coming to see me because you believe that I have the path of salvation? Or are you coming simply because you have been filled? Right? Again, it's a wrong motive. But maybe still, it's a motive that allowed them to come to the Lord and to hear his words. And maybe something he says would touch them and change them. And the same principle applies today when we attract people to the church, even if there is a wrong motive for them to come. But maybe they will hear something and, and maybe they will benefit from something, even if it was unexpected for them. Um, another wrong motive is studying to win a competition. Again, why should we study? We should love to study for the sake of the knowledge itself because we want to be edified in our knowledge and our understanding. We want to grow in the knowledge of the Bible. We want to read it and understand it and benefit from it. But again, how do we present this? Sometimes we have competitions and we say we have different teams and each team can compete against the other. And, and what is the purpose? Well, it will motivate you to learn about the Bible. It will motivate you to grow in your knowledge and grow in some skill and so that you can win. Maybe the, the motivation isn't right. Maybe the goal should not be because I want to win, but it is helpful. It is helpful for me, uh, even as I am trying to grow and improve my motivations. So the concept of spiritual maturity is that as we grow spiritually, we should begin to do everything for the right reason and not require these external factors to be a motivator for us in order to do what is right. And so we'll see that over time, God might begin to remove some of these uh, other motivations so that we can begin to stand on our own and to do what is good and necessary without extra support. When St. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians and he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, meaning there is a process of growth. And as we see that God maybe changes the way that he deals with us as we are growing spiritually, this is intentional and this is directed and this is for a purpose. Just as when you have a child that is at the age of beginning to walk, the parents are not going to be as keen to carry them everywhere. They want them to walk, even if they begin to stumble, even if they can't walk very well at the beginning. If the parent continues to carry the child constantly all the time, the child will never learn to walk. And so we allow our children to, to crawl, we allow our children to stand, we allow our children to walk, even if they fall, even though it is not the most efficient way 
for them to get around because they're still not very good at walking, but it is necessary for them to grow into that. So also the same in our spiritual life, that God wants us to be able to walk and to run spiritually. And if it, he wants us to do the right thing for the right reason. For instance, when he tells us, I want you to love your enemies, loving your enemies is not something that feels good. Or enduring persecution. Enduring persecution is not something that feels good. It's not something that we are going to experience and then feel so happy that this happened. Maybe at a higher spiritual level we would. This is what the apostles did when they were beaten for the name of Christ. They were joyful. But what does it take to get there? It takes effort to get there. It takes time to get there. It takes, it takes there's a process in order to grow spiritually, to become spiritually mature that way. And so God grants us in order to grow spiritually, he stops carrying us as much, if you want to look at it from that analogy. He doesn't carry us as much as he did maybe at the beginning. It doesn't mean that God's presence is gone. It doesn't mean that God's grace is gone. Actually, maybe it is there even more. But we don't feel it necessarily emotionally as much. He wants us to pray for the sake of prayer. He wants us to fast for the sake of fasting. He wants us to do what is good because we know it is good, because we have faith and believe that it is good, not because we receive some strong emotional feeling that we get whenever we do these things and this is the mark of someone who is um, a spiritually mature person so we spoke about some wrong motives of following christ today in the scripture the people who followed him because he fed them and not because of the signs that he did or because of who he was and so we gave examples of serving for the wrong motive giving praying and fasting for the wrong motive and that wrong motives might be a good reason to start but it shouldn't be what we continue with all along. And glory be to God forever. Amen.